You're listening to Red Center, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hello, and welcome to this week's Red Center. I'm Mike Seymour, joined via Skype by Jason. How are you? I'm very well, Mike. How are you going? So today we've uh, been talking to Ted at Red uh, about the new Scarlet announcements, and uh, we're going to have an interview uh, with Ted coming up a little shortly in the show, and we... Uh, it's a really good interview. We get a chance to really discuss some of the issues. And rather than just recap in that interview uh, the stuff that came out as part of the November 30th announcement, we tried to explain some of the things in the November 30th announcement so that uh, we can get a little bit under the hood on some of these things and maybe amplify what's going. But I should point out, Jace, that uh, Ted was incredibly generous in talking to us. He's literally just about to get on a plane and fly to Asia. Well, you're being generous with your time as well. You're packing house and uh, moving and all that sort of stuff. So, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, thank you, Ted, for taking the time again. We really do appreciate it. It's fantastic to get to the horse's mouth, so to speak. And uh, as you probably heard, Jace, at the beginning of that interview, I joke with Ted because apparently he got a, quite a lot of email after our last interview in Red Centre with Ted uh, saying how... Uh, how, how rude and mean you were to him. Well, uh, you know, a bit why am I uh, picking on him, but... Uh, Actually, as it happens, there's a very good working relationship between uh, FX Guide and uh, Red, and that's proven by the fact that today they posted a uh, video from FX PhD FX Guide on the uh, Red user website yeah, uh, that was discussing that was Red Rocket. Mm, so it's not as if we uh, have any, um, <laughs> any, any real animosity, but of course, by the same token, we don't want to just uh, bring you a, a sales pitch from Red, so we did try and uh, explore some of the issues and work out uh, some of the things. So in that vein, Jason, how did the... Uh, big announcement today kind of affect you oh look i, I had uh, i thought it was fantastic i was really keen to see um what they announced i mean obviously that was pretty much what i was hoping for basically wanting to know you know the what when and, and how much but we got we got most of that we you know we got uh, the the what and the uh, how much but there's still a little bit of a gap there on on the whens here and there but for some of it but uh, and how the specifics of the ordering process i guess is still a little bit gray but um I guess we'll be told closer to some of those dates, but at least we did get dates and some prices. One of the really big interesting aspects for me was the inclusion of Red Ray and Red Ray Pro in today's announcement because we hadn't heard anything from Red Ray about Red Ray for a while. And no, Jace- it still sat there with 2009 written on the front page of Red, and we thought, well, you know, it's coming, I'm sure. And in <laughs> fact, it is coming forgotten. in January, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So obviously, yeah, the big thing was Red Ray, uh, Red Ray Pro, uh, as opposed to Red Ray Consumer, and the fact that Red Ray Pro is actually going to leapfrog for a project we haven't even seen anything about. Uh, it's going to leapfrog uh, Red Ray Consumer uh, in its release date. Uh, Red Ray Pro coming out in January, February, and uh, the consumer version coming out uh, spring, summer. So we'll discuss that uh, coming up. They're still up in- doing the seasons thing. I think it's te- they're teasing us Antipodeans. Come on. <laughs> they're just doing it to take the piss, I think. We, uh, we'll, we'll discuss that with Ted uh, coming up later in the interview. So let's move uh, back to Scarlet because I think that's the thing that's probably of most interest to people. And uh, any surprises for you? Um, no, actually, there wasn't. Well, there was one absolute cracker, which was the uh, the uh, picture of the Red Pro, the Red Moat I, Pro. I knew, I knew you were going to say that, oh. yeah. Mm, as a, obviously as you know a, a focus puller of the of the past i just sort of immediately just thought that was an absolutely sensational piece of kit it looks like a proper wireless focus control it looks you know ergonomically outstanding this is a brilliant piece of design the renders and the cool thing about the renders of that was it was giving us a glimpse into into the interface you know you could see 
that looks equally brilliantly designed. Not only, obviously, the uh, histogram, but look like there's little hot key buttons there for assignable hot keys, obviously, for focus check, ISO speed, you know, frame rates and white balance and stuff like that. So it just, you know, that just, just sort of rocked me. That uh, I guess you'd be able to even use that as a shuttle control when you're in playback mode. It's going to be a godsend for assistance, and it uh, has potential to shit from a very high place on virtually every the other unit on there because it's actually you know built specifically and designed specifically to work with with that with that camera and you know the whole menu system ari obviously has a system like that but this is uh this is designed to be imagine how fantastic that's going to be as a focus puller to stand back from the camera be able to roll it do the focus playback you know get deep into the menus without even having to touch the thing i think that is just brilliant and to have them when you're finished just dock it on the back of the camera and it gets charging while you're doing changing setups so i think it's ah hmm, anyway steady well one of the things uh <laughs> i thought was really nice was actually having that photo of the scarlet next to a nikon camera so you actually got to see how large it was yeah next to uh d3 um or yeah d3 um yeah that was quite interesting actually because uh, d3 is not a small camera um, it was uh, yeah, it was qu- quite good to see that comparison there. But um, I guess w- my what I'm uh, n- not being so much of a post head. I was keen to sort of find out a little bit more about. I know obviously you touched on this with Ted, but uh, what the uh, what the deal is with the Red Ray Pro? Um, obviously, I mean as far as I can sort of see, Red Ray consumers looks like it's more of a I guess like a, a little portable external drive, like a little sort of discman versus this thing is a much bigger rack mount, almost like a, uh, um, you know, a rack mount um, uh, player recorder. What I couldn't see, which was looked like in the renders is missing from the Red Ray Pro, which is obviously looks like it's considerably much of a part of the Red Ray itself, is uh, a disc slot. I mean, I'm just wondering if we're moving away from the ability to play, because obviously what the Red Ray was always about was about to be able to burn and play back, you know, 2K plus footage from a standard DVD. Um, I guess obviously we're still yet to find out, but it sounds like, as you touched on with your interview later, we'll hear with Ted, is that it uh, looks like there is some uh, some hidden parts to play yet, I still think, with the Red Ray Pro, that it's uh, it actually has some inner hidden talents that uh, are yet to be revealed i think one of the things around the the scarlet that i thought was uh interesting just in watching people's reaction was a bit of discussion around these lenses the um the mini uh primes mm. and uh, i think we should just clarify what's going on with those mini primes a little um there's some confusion i think unless you've this is i mean you i've been offline this afternoon i've basically went dark after the uh, interview with Ted. But yeah. uh, unless this has been somehow clarified, tell me if, it, if I'm mistaken here. My understanding is that, that uh, if you get like a six millimeter um, lens, that's basically a, a 20 mil in like what you might call a traditional full frame 35 mil. So a 50 mil would be um, uh, from red equivalent to a 167 millimeter kind of field of view type uh, piece of glass. Similarly, if I was putting a Canon lens on, like a 50mm Canon, on the front of my um, uh, Scarlet with a Canon adapter, I'm going to get a very uh, sort of narrow field of view the way you would get with like a 170mm type lens. Yeah. Uh, Well, I've yet to find out if there's any actual sort of, you know, crop factor being being quoted. But, I mean, I've always treated two-thirds inch as essentially like, you know, that's 16mm to me. 
So I've always sort of equated 16 mil to 35 as being a two to one thing. So six mil, the six mil, eight mil, 15, 25, 50 would be, you know, double them, 12, uh, 16, uh, essentially a 32, a 50 and a hundred. So, so that's, so how, that's how I've got it in my brain. mathematically on you, as I always am, I think you'll actually find that, uh, that, that would be like more like a 20 mil, uh, uh, up to a 167 mil. Cause we hmm. did the maths in the office. Okay, good, excellent. But I'll, I think argue with, if I'll that is, if that's what it is, and I'm not saying I'm right, brain. I'm just winding you up. But I mean, a 20 mil is a nice kind of wide angle, and uh, you know, 170, 180 kind of is a good uh, long lens. Um, and what's great about these, uh, getting away from this for a second, is the they are f 1.5. I don't know what exactly. I, what, how, how you like shooting in low light. and uh... Well, absolutely. Um, obviously, if you're going to shoot with a slightly smaller chip, then obviously you want to be able to work as wide open as you can the whole time. And, you know, 1.5, that's about, you know, about as quick as you're really going to get in real life. And apart from going to, um, you know, really fast Nikon primes and, uh, you know, getting a different mount for this. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Getting that speed on these things is going to really help you with the smaller. What do you, you think know, about the price? help you get that film. I mean, that's fantastic. You know, they're about, a, you know, less than a grand a piece, five, 950 bucks each. So, yeah, I think the price is, is fabulous. I mean, obviously, what these guys have done, what the hard thing is with, with these lenses is that they are, these are things that are designed for, to get 3K image out of, you know, a very small piece of glass, as we've discussed before. The tolerances when you get down to this level is, uh, you know, really, really, you've got to make them sharp right out to the edges, particularly if they're going to be 1.5. That's doubly the challenge to try and make that sort of make them, you know, not useful at 2.8. You know, you want to make it nice and sharp and make it sharp out all the way to the corners and make it sharp to the corners at 1.5. So, you know, there's a serious challenge in all these pieces of glass to make them to make them work really well, otherwise, you know. And, and just to clarify that, obviously the 50 mil is actually 2.9, all the others that is are 1.5. Yes, um, it's the 50 is 2.9. I, I, I guess my question for you would, is, if you had an interchangeable one, would you not be tempted, I certainly would, to as, as lovely as these look, to just buy Canon glass and a, and a Canon um, mount or a Nikon glass and a Nikon mount? I mean, because then you could just use the same yeah. stuff on any of your other year. Absolutely, absolutely. Yep, definitely. That would be that would probably be the go. And obviously, I guess you're going to have the ability with the electronic lenses to um, have the. I, th- I could be wrong, but I think obviously we're going to have the. No, they have mentioned touch focus. Yeah, we're going to have touch focus tracking with the uh, two thirds inch. So obviously, that's going to um, that's with the electronic lens mounts, i.e., you know, Canon, Nikon, um, and with the um, and with the fixed lens. So essentially, it's like. As far as I can tell, at this stage, it's going to be like the you know like the like the um, iPhone three GS. You essentially you you know you have touch focus, but obviously I'm hoping that once you touch and say I want to track, you know this is what I want in focus. If that if that element in frame moves, then hopefully focus will track with that. We hope. <laughs> but obviously, if you if you but if you're going obviously if you if you're going with. Um, these proper pro lenses, you know, the, the touch focus uh, obviously isn't isn't doesn't apply. You're in a whole different ball game, you know. Okay, I think well, if but you... acid test now, Jason Wingrove, director yes. extraordinaire, you are between cameras. Um, yes. You're going to buy a D1. You're going to buy a Scarlet. I mean, what, what's your feeling after today? Hmm. Well. <laughs> The obviously what we've always banged on about for me anyway has been, and I, I'm sure I'm in a minority, is that there's always two cameras for me. There's the camera I want to buy and own and hang around, take with me, um, uh, the my soccer mum cam, 
and the um, uh, the ones I want to rent. So I think October 30 was was my time when we got you know we started to get epics and things announced, and, and that'll be the camera that I'll rent for. The one to buy and to have and to hold for me, because I don't sort of go out and shoot doco and, and shoot, um, you know, shoot this kind of shoot reality TV and all that sort of stuff. But the, my camera to have and to hold will probably be, it's probably going to be like a, a, a 5D Mark II or something, so that I know that it can be simple stills camera that I've always got, I've already got, you know, the old bit of glass around for it. And um, I think, I think for me anyway, the full frame spoilage has already occurred and I've sort of. <laughs> Okay, so I, I'm going to go heavily. I'm going to go heavily the other way and say you're you're insane. I just think that having used those cameras and hit up against the video walls of uh, death that you get from just the compression artifacts and the ability yeah. to not say, and the drop framing and yep. Yep. and dropping lines and just annoys me. Um, yes, you have I definitely love, dug deep into that into that territory for sure. I, I, and I, I love Canon. I love Canon. I really, really do. But I've got to tell you, I want one of these things so badly. Yeah. Yeah. Look, uh, I'm, I'm sure epic. in a week, you know, in a few days, well, once we've had time to digest this, I'm just going to take hand and slap forehead and just think, hello. No, no, no because I mean, you, you can't buy a Scarlet today, right? So no, no, um, sure, sure, but I've, but I can, you know, but I can I can start gathering, I'm saying gathering this the cash and put the cash on the barrel head and start, you know, putting putting money aside for for either object. Well, as Jace um, puts the money on the fridge, um, <laughs> we uh, we should get into this uh, interview with Ted because I'm sure you guys are all dying to hear it and uh, hopefully we can answer a bunch of uh, questions for you and then uh, we'll come back and, and comment after it uh, once you've heard uh, some of these points clarified. In particular, Jace, I want to talk to you about the HDR stills mode. Mm. So, Ted, thanks for joining us. Sure, my pleasure, again. So, so I, I believe you got uh, sympathy mail after our last uh, phone call. I did. It was it was quite comical. Uh, you and I had a nice little chat about it privately, which I guess everybody can know about. Um, I, well, I certainly appreciated everybody being so concerned, um, and I guess worried, you know, because I had a little surgery. And um, but from my perspective, the debate about technology is as valuable as the technology itself. I mean, the, the fact that we have different opinions and we drive through it as professional colleagues and discuss it, and you made your points, which were well understood, and I made my points, which I thought were well understood, and it doesn't mean that we have to agree on everything to be um, likable colleagues and, and uh, respectful for each other to, to each other. So yes. and I thought it was all fine. It was, it was actually quite nice, and everybody said, well, what is he doing? He's, he's asking all these really hard questions. And I'm like, those weren't very hard questions. I don't know what you guys are talking about. Those were very valid and interesting questions. You know, it doesn't all have to be fluff about stuff that you could just get on the website. He wants to ask things that actually relate to the future of our business and our technology and all the things that we've been focused on um, since day one. You know, so I, I took no issue with it or you, Mike, and everybody should know that, uh, that, uh, even though I guess I'm a, I'm a relatively nice guy, my 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 skin is a little thicker maybe than anybody would. Uh, well, it's testament to how professional you are that you came back for more. Yeah, I'm getting ready, and I'm I'm getting ready to get on a plane too to fly halfway across the world. So uh, you've got me at uh, at a good time when my guard is down again. So we'll so see what happens. We'll be quick. Um, so I think it's safe to say that Red's abandoned the soccer mum market and perhaps targeting the pro consumer video indie film market with Scarlett. <laughs> 
you know, that's a good, that's a good way to, to put it. I, I, I don't think I personally would ever say we're abandoning that soccer uh, mom or, or high-end prosumer market because we see how valuable it is to, to bring better technology to the table and offer different things to the table. But I think you can certainly see by today's announcements strategically we're working to up the ante um, and, you know, there's been a lot of sort of discussion and comparison about looking at what the digital still companies have been doing, um, I don't know, specifically in response to Red, but in response to uh, trying to make their, their products a little more uh, sort of capable in different ways. Um, and there's obviously lots of information, and we have to kind of point out, um, you know, what, what the differences are. I think this sort of points in a very clear direction that if you're looking for uh, pro gear, regardless of the budget, um, you want to be considering red because of what it does and the things you intimately know in terms of creating the red code as we shoot and generating real progressive frames as opposed to an NH264 web style uh, movie. Um, there are massive benefits to that. Uh, and I actually, believe it or not, think there'll be massive benefits to that to the high end consumer as well. Um, so even though it, it's starting to look more professional, which is exactly what we wanted to achieve, um, the goal of the, of the company hasn't changed to really offer a, a wide range of, of products across the board. Well, let's um, clarify some things rather than just repeat everything, because obviously there'll be quite a lot of ability to, to discuss what you've already published. So let's clarify some of what you've published to save yeah, time. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can um, certainly point people to the site to, yeah. to find all the nuts and bolts. So um, fire away. So uh, you make a point in the press release of saying that there's one system now, but I just want to clarify, it's one system for interchangeable components, not one camera, in that you're still carrying forward with Scarlet and Epic. Yeah, Epic and Scarlet are, are, are two different lines of cameras. They have different price points, they have different capabilities, um, but the interchangeability is, is a new focus point for us. It's always been a focus point for us, but it's been really enhanced now that all these accessories um, and everything you put on one camera to the other camera, LCDs, viewfinders, uh, all the mechanical rigging pieces uh, will be universal, as we say. Um, and I think you can see the logic of that uh, in terms of um, where things go, in terms of you know A camera, B camera, C camera type shoots, where um, it may be an epic shoot and you may have a number of... Uh, B-camera scarlets on a high-end professional shoot, regardless of the budget. So um, I think that's a good fit. Now, just in terms of the uh, stills market, because you mentioned it briefly before, um, a bunch of us mm-hmm. have Canon 5Ds, love a full-frame sensor. If I'm interested in a full-frame mm-hmm. 35, today you discussed uh, S35 and two-thirds inch. What's, what is it if I want to do stills and video, but full-frame, where do I go? So that you're just going to go into the future with us. That's that's what's already been announced um, in terms of the the sensor technology. That's one more generation away. Um, so that's targeted a little less than a year from now, um, and that's the full frame 35, the the 24 megapixel sensor um, that will get us to 6K um, full frame 35 size um, resolution. So that's that's still coming. That's just down the road. And will that just be an epic thing, or is it? Um, you know, I think as it stands now, it's it's an epic and a scarlet, but it's it's re- it remains to be seen. It's a little bit far out, and as you can see by 
the way these announcements um, cultivate themselves and kind of work themselves through the mill in terms of how development goes. Um, red is always uh, the, um, the the development is is primary, right, and everything else follows suit. So the delivery of that message and then my talking points on that message and everything that we all do is all a secondary byproduct of, of engineering progress. So to say, will it be Scarlet, will it be Epic, I think is actually kind of premature right now. That's a wait-and-see question. Okay. So on these lenses, uh, we're talking about actually an F1.5 for just about 950 That's a pretty good price point. Yeah, so these are very fast glass um, designed specifically for these two-thirds inch sensors. Um, so, you know, we can, we can point to the logic of what these lenses will do, that, they're, that this is a measurement based on uh, this size sensor. Um, so you can sort of extrapolate what the logic would be um, for other size sensors as, as you would create a normalized look, um, telephoto versus super wide. Um, but the pricing is extraordinarily aggressive, uh, and these are very, very high-quality optics. I mean, you can see the lineage from an optic standpoint, um, that with the Red Pro Primes and now these Mini Primes, that um, Red is no slouch when it comes to building these optics, right? Um, we focus on them. We expect and want them to perform as well as the best glass in the world for cinema, and now in this case for small format uh, sensor style, style shooting. Um, Although two-thirds, I guess you really wouldn't call it small format, would you? For us, it's small format, but for everybody else, it's probably big format when they're all dealing with one-third inch or smaller sensors in this kind of price range of cameras um, for motion. And um, the, uh, the costs are, are designed to fall in line with the, with the overall program, that they'll be very high quality, but you don't have to pay a super high kind of premium exclusive price for these. We plan on selling lots of Scarlets and lots of the lenses to go along with Scarlets. The thing that excites me the most is taking these small format um, cameras, these small body and small weight cameras um, with a two-thirds inch sensor in them and building them into more of a professional cinema style device, right? So optics is a big part of that. And being able to shoot primes that are high quality, high grade optical lenses uh, instead of a, uh, you know, a, a mid-range sort of uh, uh, compromised lens is, is a big deal um, for indie filmmakers, for people that are, you know, living the, the dream of really scoring a big movie and uh, making it on a shoestring budget. So, uh, so one of the things a, that you good... get from going from that smaller format, just to pick up on your point, is something you've already flagged, which is the ability to do a stereoscopic rig that doesn't require a mirror because you can obviously get the lenses closer together than you can with a normal big prime lens. Um, Absolutely. Has, has that still... Uh, is there anything like special going to happen to facilitate stereoscopic in terms of being able to sync to Scarlet's? We've seen sort of 3D renderings of dual Scarlet mm-hmm. rigs. Yeah, again, so that's, that's in the future. That's peace in the future that we're working on. Um, I think you're going to see, well, I think you're going to see a whole range of this stuff, both from Red Specific and from the, the third-party companies that are out there uh, delivering on, on this um, with the 3D rigs already. Um, you know, they're, they're salivating and chomping at the bit about all this stuff, kind of figuring out where they go and how it all comes together and um, creating these rigs where you can shoot uh, in parallel without a beam splitter. Um, for, for a lot more focal length than you can do now, right? So yeah. in, the, in a red one or a normal cinema 
uh, style shooting with a big, a big body camera, you have to get pretty telephoto to even think about putting cameras side by side. It's just not really viable. You need a bean splitter. Um, whereas in pretty short order, um, we're going to have these cameras living and sitting side by side uh, for a lot more close focus work. And you'll still need a bean splitter in certain instances, but the bean splitter will be pretty damn small and you'll be able to do it handheld and you'll be able to do it on a steady cam and all the things that we've talked to a lot of 3D movies that have been in the works and um, a lot of stuff they want to shoot handheld or really aggressive steady cam and they just can't do it with red ones um, because it's just too uh, too difficult through the big beam splitter rig. Um, now this opens that up. So then they would make other choices and they would cut in other footage and they would always say, it worked okay, but man, we would love to have had it all in 4K or, or um, in a situation where we could use all red. And now that's going to start to become a reality. So one of the other interesting things for me personally, I just pinged up off, uh, off the chair, as it were, when I saw it in the list, and it's the, one of the last items in uh, number 31, I think, in your list of uh, points, was HDR stills mode. What is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the new Red Ray Pro was your thing that made you hop No, no, I, I, have a, <laughs> I have a visual effects background, my friend. I, I, HDR right, interests right. me a lot. You can care less about the playback side, right? Yeah, okay, sure. So, uh, um, well, HDR mode, as uh, I'm, I presume most of your listeners know because they follow this stuff as high dynamic range, which allows um, the ability to to shoot, uh, you know, multiple exposures for stills and then meld all those together and create these amazing images where you have deep shadows and incredible highlight regions all perfectly exposed. And in a lot of cases, they, they look sort of otherworldly, right, when, you, when you've done it in the past. And there's huge um, scientific uh, value for this and tremendous amounts of research and development on many fronts that experience HDR. So because the... Um, Scarlet and the Epic are uh, hybrid cameras, still and motion purpose-built cameras. They will have the ability to do this HDR imaging. And I know you want a whole bunch more details about how it's going to work and how we're going to do it. That's all forthcoming. Um, so it's so not just... I can't, the, I can't break all the stuff No, no, today, that's fine. But, but it's the, not just a bracketing button. Because, I mean, you could be... It could be a... How can I put this? You could have just said HDR stills mode when what you actually meant was it'll take a bracketed set like any... SLR will, but it's more than that, is what right. you're saying. It's more than that, and I, and I, and um, well, we'll have to kind of leave it at that for now with the understanding that when Red does things, you know, you, you, can, you can sort of be the, uh, the testament to this, that we tend to not do things in a, in a normal way. We tend to do things in a very advanced, very focused way, um, and a lot of the things that we do uh, link both the production side and the post side together, right? Yeah. So, um, so, we'll, uh, unfortunately, I have to leave it at that for, for today. That's right. So, just an, uh, I want to get on to something else that's a big issue to a lot of people. Um, how do they get a scarlet? <laughs> uh, what's the, what's, is there a tattoo program? Is there a... Stand by. <laughs> All I can say for now is stand by. It's, uh, it's a question I have to answer uh, 30 times a day and for people all over the world from every different type of entity all over the world. There's a lot of interest in what we're doing, um, you know, because we've proven on the high-end professional world that, that we certainly can do what we set out to do with the red one. So people are uh, – it's no longer are the days where, we, where we're trying to sort of show it off and, and convince people we will pull this off. Uh, everybody fully expects it now, and so do we. Um, so just uh, 
stand by for, for more details on that. Well, Today is the day of information, per se, and and uh, the rest of it will come. So let me All ask in you just, time, my friend. just two questions then. One, do you anticipate a beta program? Um, you, can, you can see that the, the thought process about this has been product-related now, not um, discussing that yet, but I, I would say that... Uh, I would say that's a pretty safe bet. Certainly don't hold me to it as I'm kind sure. of cultivating and thinking, yeah, we're going to do this, but we haven't had any real discussions about it. Uh, I think there's an obviousness to a lot of the pieces and parts, but no guarantees. So you sell the Red One Direct at the moment. Obviously, Scarlet opens up a range of opportunities. You could, I don't know, sell them through Amazon or B&H, or you could have a dealer network worldwide. S- simply put, are you going to continue with a just selling it from Red from your place in California, or are you going to look at other options expanding out beyond that for Scarlet? Right. So that's a, it's a very popular question, a question that I get asked multiple times a day from all forms of media and, and discussion. Um, and all I can tell you today is that that information will be discussed sometime in the new year. Um, as, as the company grows, we, we are a direct sale model company, and that's been very successful for us. Um, so, uh, you know, there's no reason to think that we'll change that model. However, uh, on the same note, um, the company is growing and, and will grow again by leaps and bounds with these new products that will have uh, more of a mass market appeal. So um, all I can say right now is all things are being considered, just kind of like everything with Red and Poets Locked In. Uh, everything is in the soup and... Uh, we decide sort of when it's time to to let people know these are this is the direction that we're going, but it's not today. So just to uh, terminate the conspiracy theories, Jim didn't make the announcement today. Any reason that anyone should worry about well, that? Well, yeah, Jim and I are both uh, Jim and I are both in travel mode today. Uh, so Jim's traveling, and I am getting ready to travel in just a little bit long long trip. So uh, Jared took the reins in terms of posting it uh, today. You know, everybody works as a team and there's no real separation. Jim is typically the one that posts these major announcements himself. I typically am the one that gets on the horn and starts to talk about it in depth and detail and what the angles are and what does it mean, like this conversation. And then I'm getting ready to tour around uh, Asia. Um, so I'll be discussing this a lot, showing pictures and, and uh, going over it all. Uh, and in this case, Jim's uh, buried in lots of other stuff. Um, so uh, it made sense for Jared to do it this time. There's, there's no, uh, there's nothing to be read into that other than just the reality of what people are doing when. Okay, so the other big thing that we saw today, which was just terrific from my point of view, was seeing Red Ray and Red Ray Professional. Um, yeah. And the schedule on that is really extraordinary because uh, we assumed that it might have been pushed back well beyond uh, the middle of next year. But in fact, we're going to see things happening on that in the new year. Can you just tell us Very what soon, the yes. plan is mm-hmm. on Redway Professional? Yeah, so it's early New Year. Um, and I think, I think what's, um, what's kind of interesting is I, I got a lot of questions over the past year about Redway. How come you guys aren't talking about it a lot? Does that mean it's being delayed? And my, my regular answer was just because we're not talking about it a lot doesn't mean we're not working on it. Um, there's lots of things to talk about and there's lots of things to cover. Uh, but camera focus and sort of all the pieces and parts of camera was really what was taking up a lot of our, our brain power, right? Um, but there's a whole team working on Red Ray and making that real. And uh, 
Now you're seeing what we're thinking. Um, we've taken a lot of feedback from the business, from the industry, as to what people really need um, for the delivery of uh, 4K. And uh, as much as I think we on our side would love to see 4K happen faster as a consumer-type device, that there will be 4K displays at a very low cost in people's homes in the near future, which I still believe is the case. Um, it's not the, the industry is not pushing as fast as we are into this technology. So 4K still remains kind of the domain of professional uh, delivery of motion pictures. Um, but there's still kind of this black box problem with 4K delivery and these very expensive um, kind of hyper-exclusive uh, devices that play back these uh, 4K packages. So uh, in our world, we like to open things up. And in this case, uh, this is where we're headed with it. So it has a lot more professional features. You can see from the, the photo image that uh, it's moving into a, a more professional domain. Um, and you can read all the specs on the website. You can post all, the, all the, the pieces and parts of what's changed about it and why we're targeting it towards a more professional market. Um, and the good news is it's a relatively near-term near product. So all the engineering that's been going on in the background, as much as it hasn't been as sexy to talk about as some of the other stuff, uh, it'll become sexy again um, very soon, you know, as we start displaying it and showing it off and, and uh, kicking it out to the world. So the extraordinary thing about the image that was posted on the net today is it shows a commercial film being Mission Impossible, including the uh, mm -hmm. cover of the uh, what would be normally a DVD in, uh, in, in small form. I, I guess the question <laughs> yeah. that, I, that this prompts, and you can't possibly release that by accident, is... Uh, is it anticipated that this will be available at the professional level for professional distribution of films? Is it that professional or is it more like a professional product that somebody may, uh, because clearly this particular film is a film that's been out for a while, so it poses a sort of DVD question. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I certainly believe this is a professional device that is going to deliver 4K in RGB space, 444, um, and uh, have the ability to connect to a um, 4K projector, 74K projector, uh, the myriad of 2K um, Barco and, and Christie projectors that are out there in the thousands. And, of course, Sony's made some big deals in the commercial distribution standpoint. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, don't, don't put the, the too big of a conspiracy theory hat in on the, uh, the rendering um, and, and what it says in the playlist, because it's just, you know, the creation of let's show this product to the world. Uh, but it's certainly designed to be a, a professional-level device. Um, again, we always let the market dictate where these things go, right? We build to the best of our abilities, uh, and we believe, just like we did with the Red One, that it would um, hit into a professional market. I don't think anybody could have predicted how successful, how quickly the Red One would have been at all the levels it's hit in terms of, you know, looking at all the, the strata of types of production that it's on, um, completely replacing other cameras that are much more expensive. Um, I think you can probably tie some of the same logic to this. Again, this is very early stage, right, um, as we show stuff, although it's coming out in, you know, just a few months, so I guess we really couldn't say it's super early stage. Um, but it's, the, the market will dictate where it goes. Yeah, you but know, Ted, there's one huge difference between there's one huge difference between this and the 
conceptual model I had in Red Rain in my head. Red Rain in my head before was to play back a 4K film that I may have made and obviously run through something to produce the new uh, format that plays on the Red Ray drives. This, though, implies that this may be professionally used in a cinema environment, which introduces encryption and security at a level we right. previously weren't discussing. Is it on your agenda right. to deal with that level of industry-level security? Sure. So what I can tell you, um, let, let's start with the technology driving the purpose, right? So if you go to a, a digital theater today, more than likely, almost always, you're going to be watching your movie in 2K resolution, which is just slightly higher than HD. Um, while there are a number of 4K projection devices out in the market in, in cinemas, I live in L.A., so there's a fair amount. Um, I know there's some in Australia, and there's some uh, worldwide uh, as 4K projectors are being installed. It's very rare to near a, a theoretical impossibility to go to a cinema and expect to see a 4K movie actually displayed in 4K. Two, two problems with that. Number one is most movies, the vast majority, even the big budget ones, um, when they do their finishing, they're doing their finishing in 2K resolution. Um, so they're displaying that in 2K resolution. Now, we want to push that envelope as far as we can. So what we're doing with this is saying 2K is a great starting point, slightly higher than HD. It makes acceptably nice-looking images. But when you get to a really big screen in these new stadium-style seats where you want to sit very close to that screen, this is where the, it makes a really big difference between watching 2K versus 4K. Um, and this is where the, the next wave of cinema is going as these theaters get retrofitted and, and become newer, more modern cinemas. So what we're doing is designing a box that does hit professional targets, and I, I, I can say without breaking any NDAs or in-confidence discussions that um, we have been for a number of months now having discussions with uh, the uh, entities at the professional level, let's leave it at that, um, and, and all the pieces and parts that will need to come into play to make this work. So you can sort of extrapolate who those are. Um, I'm going to do my best to guard the... Uh, sure the safety information, but, but so you can assume, sort of get the point. Let's assume for a second that I'm a professional in the industry, not a, not a cinema body, not a chain of theatres, but a professional in the industry. Is this going to be something that uh, is going to be at a price point that is in the, you know, because the consumer item, we discussed the price point nominally when it was first announced. Is this thing going to yeah, be we're like... Yeah, talking a, a very, very expensive. Yeah, so is this going to be like, you know, thousands, tens of thousands? I presume not hundreds of thousands, because you haven't made anything that's hundreds of thousands yet. Well, there's the good presumption. I mean, so you're locking right into the target right there. Everything that RED does is designed to be uh, disruptive uh, and moving technology forward by leaps and bounds. Um, and, and I think this is no different than the RED 1, the Epic, the Scarlet. Uh, it, it fits into that same lineage of opening up this marketplace. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to have a giant cinema chain to be able to afford to screen 4K, um, and you know we're we're watching and pushing the market along, um, as are other companies. Like uh, you probably saw some of the announcements from Epson on their uh, their 4K um, LCD chips that uh, they just uh, made a big sort of splash about in Japan a few weeks ago. So they're pushing the market forward, um, and it's going to broaden. Uh, and again, this is not just cinema, right? It's there there's scientific purposes for high resolution screens. There's um, all different types of viewing, large environment viewing uh, that are not traditional movies uh, that this will fit into. 
Is this, is, is this we re- don't want it to be... Yeah, go ahead, sorry. Is this professional unit just as complicated as a Red Rocket card with the UI? Because obviously Red Rocket card can play back R3Ds in real time. Can and, play back 4K, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's, that's only part of it. You know, I mean, this, is, this will be a professional playback device, so we'll have a lot of other features. Again, it's, it's a purpose-built device. Um, we can, interestingly enough... Uh, in, in kind of a, a cobbled-together fashion, you know, you have a barn, i got a projector, and, I got a, and I've got a red rocket, can actually create a pretty impressive uh, 4K feat by screening a 4K movie uh, on a large 4K, on a, you know, on, a, on a screen with a 4K projector connected without very expensive hardware, right? I mean, you're talking a red rocket, which is um, sub $5,000 card and a $3,500 Mac system and a monitor, and, and you're off to the races. Um, and... Uh, it's, um, you know, but, but again, that's designed to play R3D, so it's designed to play originated material, right? It's not designed to play finished material. Um, but I'm, so I, you, your published where, specs say that the Red Ray Pro will play back the RRD, the Red Ray distribution format, as well as the mm-hmm, R3D. Yep. So it'll play yes, back correct. both, right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Okay, so I, I know you've so got the, a, Yeah, so, so that's where the difference between the Rocket, you know, is, is that the Rocket is designed for your work in editorial and playback, this is designed as a distribution device, as well as a playback device for, for the R3Ds. So just quickly in finishing up, we know that uh, the schedule has moved and, and that is well published. I'm wondering, given that now the timeframes of uh, the release of the cameras in the end of the first quarter next year, um, will you guys be at NAB? Would that be a good place for people to go to see these and get their hands on them, to look at them? Um, so we had really good success... Uh, with, I guess you'd say, a, a rogue effort at NAB last year with the Big Red User Party. Um, that really seemed to target our audience uh, better than a, a traditional trade show environment. Um, so uh, while nothing has been announced or firmed up yet, I would anticipate that we will continue to move down that road. That, that seems to be the better strategy for us now. I think we've we sort of made our mark and, and people know about us now in the industry, and that's not... Uh, that's not our need anymore. What our need is is to service uh, the kind of ever-broadening customer base and, and make sure that they're getting what they want out of it uh, in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. So uh, well, that's part, part and parcel to education and uh, the, um, the red user so, environment on the, so on the net just, and uh, in person. Let me just say that FX Guide's having a large party in Vegas at NAB on Tuesday night, so you're welcome to come along with a Red Ray prototype and we can uh, happily uh, use go. it to project on the wall. Hey, uh, thank, you so much. <laughs> thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Sure, Mike. My pleasure. Have a good uh, next few days chewing on all this new information and uh, we'll talk again soon. Well, that was excellent. Thank you, Mike. Well done. That was very no, good. And thanks again, to Ted, because honestly, the guy is yes, literally getting on a plane. Um, and uh, I don't know how he managed to fit us in, but he really is a very good friend of uh, Red Center, so thank you. Yep, no, terrific. So, yeah, HDR stills mode is very interesting. I was trying to work out how that would play, how that would work. Um, I can, um, I'm just trying to work out, would it be like, say, everything runs at 75 frames a second and you're getting one frame at exposure, one frame, one plus stop, and then the next frame is uh, minus a stop. I don't know. And that way it's, it's capturing and then it's, then it's essentially combining, combining a stop over and under and one in the middle to get your HDR and still running at 25 frames, 24 frames. 
I I think this is the um, I, I laughed about that you know point twenty one on the list of being um, something <laughs> yeah. interesting to see, but I think this is the one that'll be the uh, surprise uh, later down the track. I think that there'll be some really interesting stuff, not only with HDR stills mode, but of course I'm predicting that a small jump in logic to go that they'll actually do an HDR video um, further down the track. Well, it, it's obviously there's there's a lot involved to get uh, HDR video. It's 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 it you know it won't, it's not going to be an easy. It's not going to be an easy. Uh, I, I think they'll virtually have a tone mapping type output, um, so that you can actually basically get a lot more dynamic range than you should as you know holding highlights and holding shadows, and that'll be a special mode. But like that's just uh, that's based on no insider knowledge whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I mean, obviously. I still, I, I guess I'll not retracting my earlier, you know, choice of camera. But I think the more you sort of dig deep and look at this, what it's actually doing—hundred twenty frames, one hundred fifty frames, burst mode—the fact that it's raw, all the things we have been expecting. This is still, even given what Sony announced literally last week, their um, SR, their nine thousand camera, which is, you know, two thirds inch, um, recording to SSR uh, HDSR cam. Um, that's that. That's still come down phenomenally amount of money from like two hundred fifty thousand dollars with the F twenty three down to this camera, which is going to be like fifty thousand, you know, euros. It's still, you know, it doesn't anywhere come anywhere near the specs of this thing, which is is like this tiny little you know lunchbox of a of a, a wonder, and it's going to do one hundred fifty frames a second, and it's going to do it raw, and it's going to you know, and you know they're going to stick scarlets be... in the most amazing places because oh, it absolutely. is lightweight and uh, absolutely, and it'll go I've... so well on my Segway. Um, yep, a lot. <laughs> there is just going to be so many cho- things going to come out with this. This is like the iPhone of 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 you know, all the things that hopefully you're going to be able to bolt into an iPhone. You're going to be yeah, but to bolt stuff into this, like the the fact that it's got three axis sort of gy- you know gy- sensors inside. Mm, imagine yeah, what. Imagine a rig that doesn't. Then we talked about gyros in the last episode. Imagine I've, I've I've personally got a design in my brain for a killer rig that you could put a a Scarlet or an Epic in that would use its own internal sensors, but then react with the gy- the motors on the outside. So mm, actually, nice one. Anyway, that. All of the, the things that it's able to do is, I think it's just, and, and be so tiny is going to be the absolute cracker. I'm, I'm, I still, obviously, it, it is. I don't mean to poo poo it by saying, oh, I'm just going to go and buy a 5D Mark II, but, um, you know. No, I understand that. I mean, it's a really valid point, though. A lot of people have been waiting a while for Scarlet hanging off making a commitment, and I think it's, you know, it's going to be really interesting. We don't have the 5D Mark II 24P software out yet, but it'll be really interesting. and. Um, even though the guys are, doesn't sound like the guys are going to have a, a stall at NAB, I think it'll be really interesting at around NAB time because they'll obviously be in Vegas and, and doing stuff and uh, showing yes, stuff. So that'll be indeed. good to have a look at that. Yeah, no, look, I think it's... Um, and we'll be there. We um, will be there. Live from Vegas. Hey, um, Jace, the other thing that uh, I didn't want to push any harder on, but uh, I really think that there's going to be a ton of uh, interest in. It's just like how the heck do people get these things? Uh, you know, is there going to be a preference yeah. system, as Jim once said, for Red owners, uh, Red One owners? Yeah. Uh, will there be a, a limit on how many cameras you can buy if you're a Red One owner? Can I buy 10 Scarlets or just one? Uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of stuff that's yeah. going to come out in the next look, uh, few months. I'm sh- look, it did, you know, reading between the lines, it does sound like they are going to still keep that whole selling thing close to their chest. Um, and you won't just be able to rock up and, you know, go to Best Buy and, and, and just b- go buy one. Uh, and, and justifiably too. 
um, there's definitely a need to sort of keep this all fairly fairly close to them. But uh, you know, there are. I think it has been head down, bum up for these guys for so long that now it's come to the actual selling part. And I'm sure they've thought about it, but you know, I, I think that the how the hell we actually get these things out is obviously um, something but, they're now honestly, obviously having to turn run, their head to that. Run ahead to NAB, which is only it seems like a heartbeat away. Yeah, and we're going to be able to be filming with Epics and Scarlets and playing stuff back on uh, Red Rays, or be them Red Ray, Red Ray Pros uh, that are still going to play R3Ds or the new um, RD format. RD, um, yeah. Are we going to call so, that 2RD or RRD? I think I should call oh, it 2RD. 2RD is what I want to call it. No. R squared D? Okay. Um, but that new uh, format for the playback, which has been alluded to before, the whole idea of a highly compressed version that you can actually write to yourself, because at the moment we still can't write to R3Ds, uh, as, as we picked up in the October 30 announcement when I was rattling that cage. Uh, as in, you mean as in being able to sort of, you know, cut and paste or trim them and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, we'll, exactly. We can't write R3Ds. We will be able to write RRDs, the, the Red Ray uh, distribution format, something right. we can create ourselves in a, in a yeah. Mac. We've known that for a little while. We just didn't know it was called RRD. Um, but at the moment, you still can't make an R3D, and I think that's, uh, that's something we'd really like to see. And by making one, I mean, you know, trim one down or cut it up or generate one from a, from a clip. Now, what, obviously, what, the other thing, the other part of Red Ray Pro, which wasn't really talked about, is how much it's actually going to cost. I don't think he, he did. He, it really was, he, Ted still didn't uh, actually uh, announce a price, did he? No, no. Uh, but if you... Because it's quite close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're taking an educated guess, I would be guessing that that box is going to be coming in at around... Uh, Six or seven grand or something. I was going to say 15, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's got a lot more technology bolted onto it than a, than a Red Rocket card, and it's got a lot more technology than that. And, um, and it's yeah, just not as much and... of a mass consumer item as, say, yeah, Scarlet. Yeah. You're just not going to get the the sales volume. Yeah. Um, to get that price really low, but you know, fifteen would still be an astonishingly low, uh, enabling kind of level of uh, pricing. Yeah, there's a lot there. Obviously, it's going to have the um, uh, the one point eight SSD dock on it, and customizable ports on the front of it, and jog shuttle or whatever that big huge dial is, and uh, transport controls, and a huge touchscreen, and it's uh, sexy. And um, I don't really find that stuff kind of sexy. Um, <laughs> so. So we're going to finish up uh, for this week. I just wanted to actually do a shout-out to uh, the followers on uh, or peeps on Twitter because uh, I certainly got a lot of help today before the interview by asking um, people in our Red uh, Centre community, who many of which are following um, both you and I, Jason, on, uh, on Twitter for questions. And I got some great stuff. And, in fact, the first question I asked Ted was a complete rip-off from, uh, from my friend Michael Scott. Um, so... So if I was to uh, do our um, naming someone to follow on Twitter thing, it would be uh, Dorkman Scott uh, with two T's, uh, who is uh, one of our uh, good friends. And um, he and many of you contributed some really great uh, thoughts, which, of course, is brilliant because we did this interview literally, I think, about five minutes after uh, Jared posted the stuff. And we were simultaneously emailing the guys over posting the um, the Red Rocket thing. And so in the middle of all of this, I was trying to get the questions together and then do this really hurried interview. So um, it's actually great having this sort of supportive community around Red Center and, and FX Guide. We really do appreciate it. 
Yeah, so obviously we can't go through every little bullet point here. It's, it is obviously all there on Red User. In, in, you don't have to dig through 50-plus pages of uh, stuff as we did, and I will continue to do to be able to get all these details. You can obviously just go to the November 30 announcements and find all the finer detail, which obviously we haven't really you know, burrowed deep into. But obviously, you know, got a question, give us a buzz. I have, we have got our heads across all of this stuff, so... Uh, uh, send us a, t- a tweet or um, an email at red at fxguide.com and uh, we'll definitely no doubt have hopefully had an, have an answer for you. Yeah, um, I think we'll do what we did last time, which is next week we'll do a more in-depth yes. discussion when we've got some perspective because that's one of the things we want to be able You're to You're moving house. Do. I've been in an edit all day uh, with clients nearly punching each other out. That was that was a whole, a whole other <laughs> thing <laughs> today. I to hear about that. <laughs> um, um, but uh, yeah, look, the, the, not massive surprises, but but we got exactly what we wanted. We wanted to know, you know, what, when, and how, and, and pretty much all of those questions have been answered. So it's now the decisions really are. There's no more other decisions really to be made apart from just can you wait and um, can you afford it. So well, um, actually, while we're talking about, can I just with with, with uh, um, Dorkman. <laughs> The uh, he has does an, also a, a fantastic uh, part of another podcast called Down in Front Podcast, which is an awesome one to to subscribe to. By the way, I was just going to mention that while you were saying his name. Um, Down in Front, they basically just do a running commentary for DVDs, and you queue it up, and you press play and press play at home, and it's uh, it's very funny and, and well worth a listen. Great, great, great in in depth film podcast. Well done. Yeah, Michael's Sorry. a great guy. Excellent. Well, I'm going to talk to you soon, Jace. Um, yep, come over absolutely. the new house, but. Yep, and- uh, also, thank our team behind the scenes because I'm certainly not going to be editing this tonight. Uh, they will be staying up late. Um, again, thank you so much for listening. And as Jay said, please uh, send us emails. We get really a lot of satisfaction out of hearing from you guys uh, if you re- uh, email us at uh, red at fxguide. And thank you for everyone's emails and Twitters uh, from last episode, for our 50th episode. It was, uh, yeah, good. Uh, thank you very much for the, for the feedback on, on that and the interview on, on Dan Fung, Dennis. I really, really appreciate it all. Thank you. So uh, Twitter-wise, uh, you can contact Mike at... Mike Seymour. And I'm Wingrove, uh, twitter.com slash Wingrove. Uh, yeah. and, and, of course, the website is fxguide.com. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next week. Thanks. See you. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us, red at fxguide.com. Copyright 2009, FX Guide, LLC.